connection. We are Indigo Radio, deepening understanding, making connections. On the air, every Sunday at noon. We are a group of educators seeking to learn through engaging with others in our community and throughout the world. You can also find us on Facebook at Indigo Radio. Uh, we are podcasting our shows afterward, and we're also on Instagram. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the host and guests, not the radio show. And we're going to go to a quick song um, before we have our first guest. So this is Anatiju Somosor. Debemos sentarnos, pero las ideas solo pueden levantarnos, caminar, recorrer, no rendirse ni retroceder, ver, aprender como esponja absorbe. Nadie sobre todos, faltan todos, suman todos para todos, todo para nosotros. Soñamos en grande que se caiga el imperio, lo gritamos algo, no queda más remedio. Esto no es utopía, es alegre rebeldía del baile de los que sobran de la danza de mi mía. Levantarnos para decir ya vas. Ni América Latina se suba Un barro con casco con lápiz a patear el fiasco Provocar un social terremoto en este charco Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Indigo Radio on 107.7. This week, we are talking about occupation, the control of land, resources, and people by the wealthy and their governments in order to accumulate profit. We, um, our show today is actually in line with um, some action that is happening out in the street. There are three different stations that are happening um, about U.S. occupation of Palestine and Honduras, talking about occupation here of indigenous lands and also looking at climate as being caused by um, humans through industrialization and militarization. So on the line, we have Ziad Abbas, um, who is Palestinian. Ziad, are you with us? Yes. Oh, wonderful. That's great. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, Ziad is calling in from California, and um, he's going to tell us a little bit about what's happening in Palestine. So, Ziad, thank you again. And um, could you just start by talking about the work you do and how this relates to occupation? Yeah, actually, first of all, I'm a Palestinian refugee. I was born and grew up in a refugee camp in Palestine. And my family uprooted from a village, uh, actually two villages, my dad from Zakaria village, my mom from Jiraj village, and they were uprooted in 1948. Uh, so, as a refugee, and most of the Palestinian people actually, they are refugees. The number of Palestinian refugees right now, they are uh, almost 7.9, according to the Palestinian statistics, last statistics. So my work, I'm working with Middle East Children's Alliance, Mecca, based in Berkeley. And uh, almost for 30 years, next year it will be the 30th anniversary for us. And our work actually focuses on children in the Middle East and especially in Palestine. Uh, we work in Gaza Strip and Bank and 1948 area too. Uh, including uh, support the uh, Syrian refugees in Lebanon. Our work absolutely is related to 
the accusation. It's related to the, um, the impact on the Lassian community and Arab uh, communities from the Israeli accusation itself. We worked in the past, actually, in, in Lebanon during uh, after the war 2006. And uh, we worked in Iraq, too, after uh, 1991, the, the siege on uh, Iraq. And right now our focus is Palestine. Uh, as Palestinian, we are living, Palestinian in general, they are living in, under the Israeli occupation since 1948. Before that, we were under the, the British mandate. And uh, since that period, Palestinians, they are still um, struggling for the basic rights. And uh, until now, this struggle is continuing. Uh, I know the news right now, the people they cover as a result of the United States government decision related to Jerusalem and to recognize Jerusalem as capital of, uh, of Israel. Mm-hmm. But as a matter of fact, Palestine is under occupation and the Palestinian people struggling. Just recently, the, the reaction of the people increased for this kind of decision. So Palestinian people, they are uh, still harassed, arrested, shot and killed. Uh, Palestinian land confiscated, Palestinian resources used by the Israelis, and um, the struggle is continuing. Thank you. And could you just talk a little bit more? I mean, you mentioned the reaction to the U.S. um, declaring Jerusalem the capital, but um, can you give us a little more context just currently? Um, I think some of our listeners, it's um, confusing for them or they haven't really understood in depth. And, and what we hear here in most of our media is just uh, President Trump has declared Jerusalem the capital and therefore Palestinians are rioting. Um, so can you give us a little more clarity? Yeah, actually, in December 6th, uh, uh, Trump uh, declared that Jerusalem is the capital of, uh, of Israel. And here, when he speaks about Jerusalem, it's not just he's speaking about with Jerusalem. He's speaking about East Jerusalem, too. Mm-hmm. And this is like, this kind of declaration, it reminds us, actually, with the Belcourt Declaration, which this year, actually, Palestinians, they commemorated, uh, not just in Palestine, all over the world. They commemorated the 100 years in Belcourt Declaration. In November 2nd, 1917, Belcourt uh, promised the Jewish leadership, the Zionist leadership in that period, actually, that he will give them Palestine to build a home uh, for the Jewish people. And this is actually what happened later in 1948 when the British, they were withdrawn from uh, Palestine in 1948. Immediately, Israel declared the independence and announced that Israel is an independent state. 1948. And today is uh, like December 6th, uh, Trump, as he promised during his election campaign, and especially he promised that, and here we need to focus, he promised that a lot, and he spoke about it a lot. And he spoke about this actually after the uh, few days uh, when he uh, uh, attended the, the White House. And he kept reminding the people about this, because he wants to reach for the uh, especially the voters, the, the people they voted for him. And here he's focusing on the Angelican American. They are, this is something important for them, that to have Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Uh, 
this declaration it means it's it's a clear for uh, and it's violating the, the human rights it's violating the international law it's violating at the same time the the united nations resolutions and here we speak about tens of resolutions uh, by united nations and uh, for him announcing that it's he stepped down uh, he stepped down uh, uh, from what called themselves we don't me personally i don't call, call united states they are the mediator for the peace process between Palestine and Israelis. but for whoever think that the united states they are leading the peace process between or the palestinian israeli negotiation it become very clear that they are taking the israeli stand which for us United States, they are taking the stance since long, long time. By having this declaration, it means that Israel, they have all the rights in, in Jerusalem, and especially in East Jerusalem, which Palestinian authority, and they all the time, they, they count that they will have a Palestinian state in the future as a, a result of the negotiation, and East Jerusalem will be the capital of Palestine, and West Jerusalem will be the capital of Israel. But Trump declaration, it means that Jerusalem East and West will be the capital of Israel. So Palestinians, they don't have any rights in, in, in Jerusalem, and in the future, they can have any neighborhood or a village close to Jerusalem, and they can call it Jerusalem. So Ziad, uh, by this way, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I just wanted to bring in the um, um, one of the concerns is that people here in the U.S. don't have money for the things that they need to survive, and yet the United States is putting so much funding into the occupation of Palestine, just uh, 3.8 billion dollars a year. And I know that there was a new uh, military aid package over the next 10 years that was promising. 38 billion. And so I'm wondering if you can talk about what that money is being spent on and how it's affecting people's lives in Palestine. Yeah, it's uh, the U.S. support is coming in different levels. First, the money, the, the, the 3.8 billion dollars every year going to United to Israel. Second, you need to add to that, which the people uh, doesn't speak about that, is another 2.1 billion dollars which go to Israel as a charitable support. It's coming from organization, people, individuals, etc. It goes to Israel. This is an addition to the official support coming from the American government. This week, another $2.1 billion is coming from people like donors, individuals, or organizations going to Israel. In addition to that, it's the, the, the military support, which every year they get a uh, different kind of support. I'm not an expert in, in, in military, but all the, these kind of air forces, all these kind of weapons, tanks, uh, uh, including from the small things, actually, uh, tear gas and bullets, up to the air forces, F-16, etc. It goes to Israel and support Israel. In addition to that, to add to that, uh, the, the political support in all over the world, especially in the United Nations, where the United States and uh, the Security Council of, uh, in the United Nations all the time ready to use the veto to block any decision against Israel or even condemn, you know, to condemn certain kind of 
policies by Israel all the time, United States there to protect Israel from this kind of support. And here we have in the record over a uh, hundred times that the United States they used the veto to block any decision uh, uh, will um, <clears throat> will uh, at, at least uh, condemn the Israeli policy. These kind of military support and the money goes where the Israelis, they, they, they build, expand the settlements since 1948 and especially after 1967 right now where they uh, expand the settlements in the bank or build the new settlements. This money goes to build the wall, the separation wall or the apartheid wall, what we call it as Palestinian, which this uh, wall built on Palestinian land and divide actually Palestinian from other Palestinians, not just divide them or make a certain kind of borders. Actually, this was building a new, uh, 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 new borders. It's not on, uh, built on 1967 borders. It's inside the Palestinian, uh, inside the Palestinian land, and divide Palestinians from other Palestinians and divide Palestinians from their own lands. Yeah. You find people. The wall actually uh, divided the, f- the family they are living in the Palestinian side and their land where they used to work and farm, it's behind the wall, which is inside this way. At the same time, this wall actually uh, divides the Palestinians from other resources. It's the water, the aquifers. There are some aquifers in, in north of West Bank, actually. It's coming out of the, of the wall. It's in, under the Israeli, uh, uh, in the Israeli side. It's controlled by the, by the Israelis. So this kind of support coming from the American people, the tax money, and from the official government and from charitable, it goes direct to violate and uh, the Palestinian uh, daily life in every aspect. I can say that not just it's supporting a military occupation, it's supporting uh, the colonial state. It's uh, it's uh, violating the Palestinian rights in every aspect. Yeah. Thank you so much, Siad. I think that people here need to feel the sense of urgency to stop the U.S. from sending so much military aid and support to the occupation of the Palestinian people, and we'll continue to support their struggle and resistance as much as we can here from Brattleboro. Yeah, it's it's very important for the people to understand that. I know this is an issue, actually, for the and and the, 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 the community is here. In the United States, especially the groups who are in solidarity with Palestine, there is this issue all the time, and they are calling for uh, stop supporting a military occupation. And here we need to remember, Israel is a colonial state with, with the full meaning. And uh, even with this support, sometimes Palestinian, according to what I hear sometimes, or reading from other Palestinian writing or that they consider the Israeli occupation. It's not just an Israeli occupation. It's the Israeli-American occupation of Palestine. Yeah. Because Israel will not survive or Israel will not continue to do what they are doing in the ground uh, for the Palestinian people without the American support, the support we see. And this money, sometimes, like I hear the, uh, the groups in California all the time, they need to stop supporting Israel and use this money to keep the schools open because every year we hear in the news that some schools, they are a lack of funds for schools mm-hmm. or for the health sector. And But this money, there is a need for it for the American people. And this is part of the, what they consider it. It's like 
فانت جوين ذا ستراجل فلسطين ذي ار ستراجلينج تو ذا امريكان سبورت ات ذا سيم تايم ذا امريكان بيبل هير سم ذا امريكان بيبل ذي ار ستراجلينج تو كيب ذا سكولز اوبن اند كيب ذا سكولز رننج سو ذير از كومن انترست كومينج بتوين ذا تو كوميونيتيز رايت ناو تو ستوب ذس كايند اوف سبورت Thank you so much, Siad. That's um, a wonderful way to end this segment. Um, we're sorry we can't chat with you more, but um, it's been so helpful, um, especially as school teachers and public schools here, um, to hear that, and um, for our folks on the street um, to hear that as well. So thank you again um, for thank all your you conversation today. We hope to hear from you soon. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. So we're going to go now to a song, Free Radicals, featuring... Najat and uh, HISD, it's called Every Wall. Trap behind the bars The red and white, the blue striped stars The all-American eagle is illegal My freedom of speech bleeds so we can reach you Behind the gates of evil is deceitful Many people seem to be trapped by the lethal Injection for the pulse of an erection Infected through the course of an election Selected by only a few If only you knew I separated the false and the truth now So what you mean I can't get any food now Behind the fence, ain't ready to shoot now And I rock and I ran The British and Sudan At home Americans Driving your sedans past the ghetto Line between the urban, the suburban The turban on his head drew the line Between the pastor and the priest Then the beast was released from the other side No defense mechanism Build a prison, build a wall Berlin then fall Then call on the king's horses and men To amend, bend, then break rules Palestinians, Jews Globally confused Guys are stripping the views To use fools as tools Then give fools the tools Locally abused, street wars and news, lines cute and hues, pop rules and blues. Draw a line and choose, chose to jump the fence, and I've been flying ever since. Come on, it's separate but equality. Sammy reppin' ISD, Neon and Free Radical, music we can all agree. Welcome back. This is WVEWLP Brattleboro, 107.7 FM, your community radio station. You're here with Indigo Radio. We just heard from Ziad Abbas, a Palestinian activist and educator uh, calling in from California. And on the line, we have Nick Awad. Nick, are you with us? Hi, yes, I'm with you wonderful. from the streets of Brattleboro. That's so great. Um, How's it going? It's wonderful. Tell us what you're doing out there in the streets of Brattleboro, Nick. We are having a teach-in right now. I'm in Pliny Park. We have some free soup. There's some people gathered here, and we are talking about occupation. Um, on Pliny, at Pliny Park, we're talking about Honduras and Palestine. Um, down at Mocha Joe's, there's a little bit about the occupation of this land. And 
down at the co-op, we're talking about climate. So people are moving their way down there, and we would love it if people came out to support and chat with us. Fantastic, Nick. We're really, um, thank you so much for your support. We're hoping that lots of people can get out there and tell us their thoughts about occupation and how it affects their lives, because we know that it does um, in one way or another. Right. And don't be afraid of the cold, because, (laughs) you know, our water protectors out in North Dakota were dealing with the freezing winter, and they were still out there trying to protect our water resources. So come on out. Put some gloves on if you have them, and we have some warm soup for you. (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you so much, Nick. We'll um, hear back from you or some of our other comrades out there um, later on in the show. Thanks a lot, Marisa. Bye. Take care. Bye. So we're also joined here in the studio by Asis Castellanos, who's going to talk to us about what is happening in Honduras and the U.S., uh, continued support and occupation of the military there. So, Assis, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. So, Assis, can you just tell our listeners just a little bit about um, what's happening currently in Honduras? Yeah, uh, so uh, three weeks ago, uh, November uh, 26, uh, uh, there was a uh, presidential uh, election and uh, in which the current president Juan Orlando Hernandez uh, uh, was uh, running from uh, uh, the national party which is a right-wing national party and uh, in clearly violation of the constitution because the constitution uh, uh, does not allow uh, uh, a presidency to uh, do it twice Um, and uh, the thing is that uh, now are, peop- are people in the street protesting because it was clearly a, a electoral fraud, and uh, um, um, the, for example, the U.S. Uh, uh, embassy in the, in in Honduras, uh, like a week ago, it started to show uh, to be in public and clearly supporting the the electoral fraud. So, uh, uh, then the, uh, the government, uh, after the, 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 the presidential election, uh, declared a, cur- a curfew in which uh, people, uh, Honduran people weren't allowed to be in the street from 6 uh, p.m. to 6 a.m. And during the, this time, uh, uh, so far we have uh, al- around 20 people uh, killed because of the repression that they are uh, being uh, uh, receiving uh, because of because people keep protesting in the street. So um, you're talking about the election fraud and the U.S. support of this election fraud. So why why is this important? What um, what is this president trying to do in being uh, reelected again? Yeah. Uh, Briefly, I would like to uh, to give some uh, historical background and to, to explain uh, why is, uh, the U.S. Uh, government uh, so involved in, uh, in in Honduras militarization. Um, there is a great history of uh, uh, U.S. Uh, military intervention in, in Latin America, from Mexico, Central America, the Caribbean, and South America, but in specific Honduras. Uh, since the uh, the 20th century, uh, 
the U.S. government, uh, through, for example, the United Fruit Company, uh, they uh, uh, keep uh, keep people's land. Uh, for example, uh, sorry, for example, during the 50s, uh, uh, the United Fruit Company territory in the in the in Honduras. Uh, was used to uh, train uh, uh, the Contras uh, in to uh, to overthrow uh, Jacobo Hernandez in in, uh, in Guatemala. And for example, during the 80s, uh, Honduras was used as as a sort of uh, U.S. Uh, military base. From Honduras, uh, the Pentagon, the Pentagon and and CIA trained. Uh, uh, militaries in order to uh, overthrow uh, the Sandinista revolution and at the same time the the US government uh, support uh, uh, right-wing regimes in Salvador and Guatemala uh, during that time uh, of course that there was uh, uh, was a post uh, Vietnam War in which uh, it wasn't almost impossible for the U.S. government to have milita U.S. militaries in other countries, but uh, they changed the strategy. They, they started to train uh, 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 militaries uh, and support, like through giving money to governments. And um, in the last uh, 20 years, for example, uh, uh, the U.S. government has an important interest in, in Honduras because in the 80s, uh, the U.S. government built a, uh, a military base, which is basically a U.S. military base. Uh, during the 80s, for example, the U.S. government uh, kept in that uh, military base around 5,000 uh, uh, militaries. And, uh, for example, after the coup d'etat in Honduras in 2009, uh, Honduras became uh, the closest ally in, in the region to, to the uh, to the. Uh, to the U.S. government uh, and U.S. military interest, uh, in which uh, uh, the so-called war in drugs is so important for for uh, for the U.S., but in in Central America and the Caribbean, uh, this war in, in drugs is just translated in just more militarization of, of the countries. So you're saying it's an excuse. The war on drugs is an excuse for. Um, just increased militarization and occupation of the land yes. as it has been for uh, quite a while now. Thank you. And I'm wondering, uh, the U.S. has been training soldiers from Honduras, both at the School of Americas, WINSAC, and others places. And um, if I read earlier this morning that $45 million construction dollars uh, went to Sotocano since 2005 and lots and lots of other military aid for the interests of business interest and military interest, as you're talking about, can you talk about how that is affecting people's lives day to day in Honduras? Yes. For example, after the coup d'état, uh, Honduras uh, became uh, uh, the most uh, dangerous country uh, uh, around the world, and um, it, it was it, it is so ironic because uh, it was in the time when the U.S. government, uh, through the uh, State Department, started to uh, give more uh, uh, financial aid to uh, to Honduras government, and uh, it was translated more uh, militaries in the street, and uh, uh, so 
from that time to uh, to uh, to the current time, uh, the national party has been in, in power, which is the 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 political party that took power after the coup d'etat. And Hernandez is part of this uh, political party. And uh, uh, he's uh, uh, a great ally of the US government. And uh, uh, in the last, for example, three years, uh, there is a great propaganda from part of the, uh, the Honduras government saying that uh, uh, crime and violence uh, uh, statistics or race has been decreased. But it's not because uh, uh, the government is uh, investing or like uh, in education, in, in health. It's because it's investing more in militarization. And so this uh, uh, kind of in decrease of uh, violence and crime is because of the repression. It's not, it's not because, of the, because of people life is, is improving. Assis, can you talk a little bit about um, some more about the resistance that's happening currently? Uh, yes, um, there is a uh, massive and uh, uh, extraordinary grassroots uh, uh, movement that uh, uh, is is part of this uh, last uh, eight years of resistance uh, for since the coup d'état. And uh, now uh, we can see that uh, most of the people that are in the street are young people. And uh, this is really important because uh, it's showing that uh, 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 the current government uh, uh, has no legitimacy in, uh, um, in, in the country. And uh, uh, there is... Uh, there is a, a lot of resistance in the street. Um, um, sorry, I got lost. That's okay. <laughs> That's, thank Since you. Since the 2009 mm -hmm. coup, there's been resistance yeah. with people coming together, possibly across like sectors that hadn't worked together. And I, I, I saw recently that part of the general strike. Could you talk a little bit about how the, what happened on the day of the general strike in Honduras? Yeah, uh, so uh, yes, yesterday, uh, two days ago, uh, there was a general strike, and it was uh, uh, organized by, by the opposition or uh, the uh, alliance, um, and in which uh, people uh, took the streets and uh, blockaded uh, main uh, roads in order to uh, uh, call attention, not only national attention, but uh, also international attention, and has been really important uh, the support of uh, uh, human rights activists uh, uh, in, in Honduras that be, uh, has been uh, able to show how uh, protesters have been uh, uh, repressed and also how uh, militaries or armed Honduran forces are using live munition uh, uh, against uh, protesters in the street. Thank you so much. Um, and we'll continue to connect to what's happening in Honduras. I think that people here really need to know more about the history of U.S. involvement in Honduras and how it's impacting people's lives today. And But I also know that the resistance in Honduras has been one of the most politically inspiring things in my life. And so um, we'll keep on 
working in the struggle with people in Honduras. Um, we're actually going to play a song now by Cafe Goncostico, and I c I'm wondering if you, I didn't say it pronounced, I didn't pronounce it correctly, but if you can talk a little bit about who they are. Uh, yeah, Cafe Goncostico is a, a, a Honduran uh, uh, music band, and uh, uh, they are quite famous in, in, in Honduras in, in the region because uh, they have they have really uh, uh, crit lyrics that uh, critique uh, uh, politics and uh, there are I would say they are they are part of the resistance movement in Honduras. Thank you very much. So um, this is Cafe Guancasco and form estadístico de comienzos de siglo. I tried. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Asis. Thank you. Personas en el mundo que viven al día con un dólar Y más de mil millones de otros cuantos Que por tanto nunca comen suficiente Tres cuartas partes del dinero del planeta Se lo lleva el 10% de la gente Y cada día se preguntan dónde explotará La próxima bomba nuclear ah. de esos pobres en el mundo son mujeres discriminadas y maltratadas muchos de sus hijos de sus hijas mueren enfermos antes de los cinco años allí en Irak mueren por miles por petróleo por su raza por su religión y los informes del periódico la tele y la radio no dicen nada están comprados desde hace rato
Welcome back. This is Indigo Radio on WVW 107.7, Brattleboro's community radio station. We're here today talking about occupation, how the U.S. money is going towards military and economic occupations around the world and is not going to the people, um, to people's medical and health care and education around the world. It's going to fund repression. And um, we're joined now by Kelly Juno, who's in the streets. Hi, Kelly. Can you hear us? Hi, yeah, can you hear me? Where are you, Kelly, and what are you doing? Um, well, I'm on Main Street, like, next to Mocha Joe's in front of, what is the address? The empty storefront where, um, in, in between Mocha Joe's and Sam's. And we have out, this area is talking about uh, police repression in the United States and how the police forces are trained, not all police forces, but police forces can send their um, officers to Israel to be trained by the Israeli military in repression tactics. And, of course, the Israeli military is the occupying force of Palestine. So um, over 200 police forces, that includes campus police um, and different officers around the country and in other countries as well, have sent officers to Israel since 2004 when the program started to learn repression tactics. Hmm. And Kelly, um, talk to us a little bit more about how this relates to occupation. Well, specifically in this country, often you look around and all is peaceful. And it's easy to walk down the street. There are no tanks. There are no soldiers in the streets. But in certain Unless you're in Ferguson, right? <laughs> right. So in certain neighborhoods, they're heavily policed. Actually, can I interrupt then, you too one sec, Kelly, yeah. that in certain neighborhoods in Brattleboro, there are police cars who stay there pretty much 24-7. Um, and, yeah. But anyway, keep, keep on going. Um, and, it might, and you can kind of walk down Main Street and, you know, here, and things seem relatively quiet. But the fact is that there are certain activities that are repressed and... One of those activities is um, protesting and fighting back specifically against the establishment, such as the police. Um, so thinking about the J20, the January 20th um, protests in Washington, D.C. against Trump's inauguration were heavily policed with police with riot gear and so many people were arrested and are currently on trial and faced decades in prison mm-hmm. for protesting yeah um and so there are certain behaviors that like when the public when they come together and people are on the streets when people in ferguson were on the street saying we do not accept um police brutality we're not going to stand for it anymore that that behavior is threatens the establishment and that is when you see how occupation works in this country because the police have been militarized and that comes out. Hmm. Kelly, quickly, what are the reactions of people in the street? Are people stopping and talking? Um, for the most part, people are just looking and reading. We have a big sign that says um, U.S. police forces, a U.S. police force repression tra- tactics taught by the Israeli military. And then a sign that says um, occupation for what purpose? And then we have several pictures of Ferguson, Baltimore, J-20 protests in Standing Rock, which are all 
um, heavily policed and militarized. And so people are looking and looking at the information and looking from their cars. There's quite a bit of traffic right now. So everybody's stopped in traffic and is kind of reading from their cars. So a couple of people have talked to us, and um, but a lot of people just kind of want to look and, and pass by. And thank you, Kelly. And we should also note that the works has offered us so generously their space today. Um, we are also in the kids section of the works bakery and cafe where um, there's a large uh, world map with U.S. military bases um, for adults to take a look at. And then there's also a children's craft area, too, um, where they can put on a globe what is the world that they wish to see. Um, so please do join us in the works. Um, get out of the cold a little bit and, and continue. Um, Kelly, we were going to say goodbye to you. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. All right. Bye, bye. Kelly. Um, now we'll go to our last guest, um, Abby Manukin, who works for 350.org. And she's going to tell us a little bit about how occupation um, relates to the environmental struggle. This is a pre-recorded interview. Today, talking with Abby Manukin, who's an organizer with 350 Vermont. Thank you so much, Abby, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Becca. I think this is your second or third time on Indigo Radio. It's great to be back. <laughs> um, today, we're talking about occupation, and I'm wondering if you could start out with talking about what occupation means and looks like to you. Yeah. Um. I think in many instances, um, what what first comes to mind is more of a <clears throat> it's more of a negative definition um, when a people or a region are being occupied against their will by force, um, either by the government or the military um, <clears throat> on their land. Um, but I also feel like there's more of a of a positive twist on that word and more of a um, of a look from from the resistance, um, where, for example, Occupy Wall Street is probably one of the first things that comes to mind in that movement. But also, when people, you know, it can be as simple as um, as this radio station and this show, sort of occupying um, occupying the sound waves. And um, when you take your money out of a um, big bank and put it in a credit union, um, occupying speaking um, native languages or um, being on the front lines of, of a movement. So I feel like it can also, um, we can also reclaim that word from the, from the one that might come to mind um, at first. Great. And so in terms of thinking about, um, like, we'll, we'll set the resistance aside for a moment and thinking about occupation of land. I'm wondering how that connects to your work um, as a climate justice organizer. Yeah, so I think um, the strongest and most powerful and um, most personal way that that comes to mind is with the um, Standing Rock movement. Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> it was one year ago that I was able to travel to Standing Rock on a bus from Vermont. There were um, about 35 or 40 of us who traveled um, from this area to, to North Dakota to join um, the water protectors and um, indigenous leaders who had 
who had called for allies to join. And, um, yeah, so that, the occupation in that case of um, treaty land that had been stolen again um, after a treaty from the mid-1800s and um, the Dakota Access Pipeline and the corporation um, and the North Dakota government had deemed it um, quote-unquote public land that could be then um, <clears throat> drilled for oil and gas. And so um, the Standing Rock movement was was a time when um, First Native youth and then um, leaders and elders from Standing Rock and um, tribes across the nation and then across the world came together and said, um, this is this is our land, this is actually sacred burial ground, it's um, land that our ancestors lived on and land that, that we rightfully deserve um, and should not be should not be drilled. So that was um, that's the most powerful and um, time when when occupation really uh, hit home for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it that's just one example of specifically pipelines, but um, oil and gas, um, fossil fuel, extreme extraction. Um, and also, um, you know, it could be nuclear reactors, it could be incinerators, it could be um, toxic waste sites are often put on um, in poor communities of color and um, native, native reservation land or um, broken treaty land. Um, and ultimately, you know, all of our land here is stolen. That was Abby Manukin from 350.org um, talking to us about occupation as it relates to environmental issues. Um, at the beginning there, she talked about occupation, um, <laughs> reoccupying the word occupy um, in the sense that, you know, people are taking over the radio waves. Um, for example, in Oaxaca, Mexico, um, we're speaking in our native tongue. Um, so we're going to play a song that relates to that. Uh, This is Rising Appalachia. It's called Occupy. And then we'll be back. Thanks so much for joining us. Soon I will be done with the troubles. Soon I will be done with the troubles. Soon I will be done with the troubles. Soon I will be done with the troubles of the world. With the troubles of the world. With the troubles of the world. Soon I will be done with the troubles of the world Gonna occupy my mind Soon I will be done with the troubles of the world With the troubles of the world With the troubles of the world Soon I will be done with the troubles of the world Gonna occupy my mind Soon I will be done with the troubles of the world With the troubles of the world With 
Thatcher and occupy the Soon body. Will you will occupy your sound waves, because we will not be Soon lied will to. Be occupy your bank account and occupy your Soon health Occupy your garden, because oh my dear, you Soon must be Occupy your mother tongue and occupy your Soon neighborhood. Occupy reality, deliver depth the Soon best you could. Be occupy your homeland, occupy your Soon public schools, occupy the pen and ink, occupy the Soon law. Street, occupy your Soon corner store, occupy the sound waves, occupy your Soon front door, occupy Wall Street, occupy your Soon basic rights, occupy the front lines and when it's time, step up to fight. Welcome back. You're listening to Indigo Radio on WVW 107.7. You're just listening to Rising Appalachia Occupy, and they were actually singing a traditional African-American spiritual, Soon I Will Be Done, with an original spoken word verse um, about occupation. And so we wanted to turn now to, uh, to the show. You know, the focus really is on why do people not have what they need here in the United States and around the world in terms of education and healthcare and food um, and land and and why is so much of U.S. tax dollars funding repression of other humans and going towards these occupations. The U.S. has over 800 military bases around the world and a lot of these are what is called a military strategy of lily pads, this idea that the U.S. can have a hub to jump off of to go anywhere to uh, start a military intervention at any time. Um, there are about 10 to 13 alone in Honduras. And we're talking about globally um, so many military bases and so much military training and we know that the military, U.S. military bases are the number one contributor to global warming um, in terms of how much energy is used and how much waste is produced at these places. And just the devastation of war itself, the bombings of Yugoslavia, still there's depleted uranium poisoning the groundwater. The military testing of Vieques has really caused a huge health impacts on the people who live there. And we could go on and on. And Becca, if I could just connect it to schools, um, all of us are, most of us are public school teachers. And I think occupation um, seeps into our classrooms every day. You know, we're taught, we're taught that, and we are encouraged to teach that the reason for this U.S. imperialism or occupation of all of these lands throughout history is for our safety and security and freedom. And, you know, at my school, we say the Pledge of Allegiance, which is just, you know, honoring that myth. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, you know, as Abby said, um, learning languages in your own tongue, for example, all of that can be a resistance um, to that as well. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I just think about um, that schools really don't have what they need to properly educate our children, and um, that money is being continually being cut from education. And we know that the new tax deal is um, proposing a four point one trillion dollar uh, budget deficit, and that or budget that's going to be cutting programs from poor and from the health care and food stamps and student loans, disability payments. Um, and that is simultaneously going along with a 10% increase in military spending. Which, which relates just back to what Ziad was talking about with the funding, um, the $3.8 billion, I think you said, Becca, per year that mm-hmm. the U.S. gives to Israel for military and um, support. Yeah. And I read recently, um, this is in David Vine's book, author of Base Nation, that or $156 billion or more annually are going to the hundreds of bases overseas. Um, so we encourage all of our listeners, if you haven't already, to stop by any of these locations that are happening right now, Pliny Park, Mocha Joe's, the co-op, um, and the works, um, if you have kids, I know that my kid is there, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um, putting up the world she wishes to see on the map, um, and join us in the conversation. Um, we really need everybody's voices. Um, we're going to go to a quick song and we might have time for one more caller at the end. Um, so this is street dogs, um, with there is power in a union. Power in a union Come on! 
Welcome back. This is Indigo Radio at WVEWLP Brattleboro, 107.7 FM, your community radio station. That was Street Dogs, There is Power in a Union. You've been listening to um, Becca and Marisa and uh, talk about occupation today um, in Honduras and Palestine. We've interviewed um, Assis and Ziad and folks in the street, as well as Abby, um, who's talked about 350.org. Next week, we'll have a break from the show, um, but we hope you join us after that. Last words, Becca? Yeah, I mean, I just hope that people get a sense of the urgency and the need for us to be acting here, even if we don't feel like our lives are directly um, impacted by occupation, we are definitely funding it with tax dollars, and it is um, urgent that we we stop doing that, and we also start to see how people... Um, the resistance here to privatization can be connected to resistance all around the world. Thanks so much. We will see you soon. Here is uh, the rest of Anatiju Somos, sir. <laughs> 